Acts chapter number 16. I'm going to begin in verse number 20. Acts chapter 16, verse number 20. The scripture says, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, remember that, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Midnight. Have you ever had a midnight moment when you're completely overwhelmed with your circumstances? Midnight when you're filled with anxiety. Times in your life when the struggle begins to really strangle you. Midnight. When you're stressed, you're worried, so much you can't even sleep. When you can literally feel your heart pounding out of your chest and you're just trying to kind of gather yourself and get calm for a moment. Midnight. When you're tempted to quit, throw in the towel, go back to the ways of the world and not serve God because serving God hasn't gotten you far. Midnight. When you're searching for where God is, God, God, where are you? I don't understand, God. I've done everything that you've asked me to do. God, I've, I've prayed, I've obeyed, I've, I've stepped out. God, I, I even gave my tithe. I could have used that money to pay the electric bill. I, I could have bought groceries with it, God. And anytime you want to show up so that my bank account can go up, I, I'm, I'm down, God. Just, just wherever you're at. Midnight. We all have midnight experiences. What do you do when you face your midnight experience? Today, I want to minister to you on the subject, when midnight meets the Messiah, when midnight meets the Messiah. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to every heart like only you can. Father, wherever people are tuning in from and hearing this message, we pray that the anointing of God would travel and touch people's lives, help them to make it through their midnight season. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, you may be seated. As we come to the text, we find the Apostle Paul is having great success in preaching the gospel. Um, he has come to the city of Philippi, and he has planned on staying in the city of Philippi for a while and putting down some spiritual roots and developing a church there. And so he's going around, he's preaching the gospel, and the gospel is just, you know, touching people's hearts like only it can, and people are being drawn and listening. And, and while he's preaching the gospel with his partner, Silas, there's this, this woman who is possessed with an evil spirit. She's an oracle. We would call her a psychic of sorts. And she's walking around the Apostle Paul and, and Silas, and she's behind them. And every time they begin to proclaim the gospel message, she says in this really eerie voice, These are the children of the Most High God proclaiming the way of salvation. That was pretty good, wasn't it? practice that. Anyway, and uh, she's got this really eerie voice, and, and so even though she, what she's saying is, is very much right, and it's, it's very much, you know, on target, what she's saying is coming from an evil place, and it's distracting people from hearing the message, and, and so um, she's definitely possessed, and Paul is getting annoyed day by day, and this goes on for three, four, five days, and pr finally Paul gets fed up with it. He lays his hands on her. He casts the evil spirit out of her, and by the way, just in case you don't know this, because I know a lot of 
Christians like to play around with tarot cards and psychic readings and all that kind of stuff. It is not of God. I don't care how kind the person is. I don't care how much they say God has given them this gift. There's only one person who can tell your future and one person who can change your future, and that is Jesus Christ. Anyway, cast the evil spirit out of her, and now she can't uh, produce any money anymore because she was being pimped out by these wealthy people to read people's you know, tarot cards and all that kind of jazz, and now she can't do it anymore because she comes in our right mind, and our masters get really, really angry. They're so angry at Paul because you know he's done this, and they, they've lost their money, but there's no law in the Roman books that says that if an oracle loses her powers from a third-party influence, that they go to jail, that the person who did this goes to jail. And but what there is a law that says if you incite a riot, if you disturb the peace, especially if you were a Jew in the Roman Empire, you can get thrown in jail for that. And so what they do is they gather around all of the crowds and they say, let's make this fuss over what Paul and Silas are doing. Let's cause it to be a public disturbance. That happens. They go to the magistrates or the people that are in charge. They tell them about it. The magistrates come out. They know that they have to keep the peace and they have to keep the order. Otherwise, they get in trouble by the higher ups. And so what do they do? They immediately have Paul and Silas beaten and thrown in prison. And this is where we enter the story. Paul and Silas are in their midnight moment. They're lying in prison. They're bound in chains. Their backs are bleeding. Their bodies are aching. They are forced to lie in their own excrement. And they're placed in this inner prison, which is a place where the prison guards can torture the prisoners as much as they want to to make sure that they got the lesson. This is not like prison is today. They didn't have air conditioning in the summertime. They didn't have heat in the wintertime. They didn't get three meals, three square meals a day. They didn't have recreation time in a weight room. They didn't have any of that. This wasn't prison like prison is today. This was prison to teach people a lesson. And so here is Paul and here is Silas and they are Silas and they are in prison. They have been beaten for the gospel. And you've got to understand what is going through their mind during their midnight moment. They're thinking, we preach the gospel. We got beat for it. We did what God told us to do, and it hasn't worked out. We thought we were coming to Philippi to establish a church, and here we are in prison now. Maybe they're questioning their commitment to God. Maybe they're thinking, well, maybe we're going to give up on this preaching the gospel stuff because look at what it's doing to us. Certainly, they're wondering if they're going to make it out of prison. It's midnight. Fear is attacking their faith. Doubt is screaming loudly to them. They are in their midnight moment. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're in your midnight moment. What do you do when you face midnight? Midnight in your marriage, midnight in your finances, midnight on your job, midnight in your education, midnight in a relationship, midnight in whatever arena of life. What do you do when you face midnight? I want to give you a couple of keys for how you can face midnight and see the dawning of a brand new day. And the first key is simply this. If you're going to make it to morning, make it through midnight, you need to make your own movie. Make your own, that sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? You get to produce your own movie. I've always wanted to do something like that. Movies are cool. You know, the whole Steven Spielberg thing and everything like that. Matter of fact, he almost ran me over once. Did you know that? It's my Steven Spielberg story. Some of you may know this, but I actually was in a movie about seven years ago. They cast me of all things for them to cast me as a pastor. Can you believe that? I'm like, 
really? Do I really fit the pastoral mold? I thought, I didn't fit. Anyway, so uh, they cast me as this pastor, and I'm in the trailer, you know, and the trailer is right on the road. And I forgot that the trailer was in the road. That's where you get dressed and stuff like that. And so I go in there to get into costume for that particular scene that I was doing, and I forgot that I was walking literally out onto a road. We were filming in Beverly Hills, and we were on the street of Steven Spielberg. We were using a house, a couple of houses down from him to film this. And so I walk out on the street, forgetting that it's a road, and as I walk out, this car is pulling right up and literally comes to a screeching halt and almost hits me. And then this guy starts yelling at me and screaming at me and everything. And all of a sudden I look, it's Steven Spielberg. And when I realized it was him, I was like, oh my goodness, that, that, that you hurt. <laughs> I'm just playing. I, I didn't do that, right? And, and so yeah, movies are cool, you know? But here's the thing about midnight. Have you ever noticed that at midnight movies start playing in your brain? Really, everything gets intensified at midnight. The fear gets intensified. The doubt begins to speak louder at midnight. The worry begins to strangle you. The anxiety gets palatable and real. Because throughout the day, you can drown all of what's going on in your heart and mind, all of the internal noise. You can drown that in busyness, can't you? But at, but at nighttime, at midnight, it's just you and your thoughts. And all of a sudden, the enemy starts to play all these movies over in your mind. And, and all of a sudden, it looks to you like the situation is a lot bleaker than it is. And all of the what-ifs and, 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 and the things that may never even happen, all of a sudden, begin to flood your heart and your mind. And you start seeing this movie and watching this movie. And it gets really intense. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, you feel your heart pounding out of your chest. You don't know what to do with yourself. That's what happens at midnight. But here's what I've learned. I've learned that we have the capacity as human beings to produce our own movies. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul was reflecting back at the time that he was in the prison in Philippi, and he tells us about how he produced his own movie in his mind. I want you to watch this with me. Philippians chapter number four, verse number eight says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, make a movie in your head. Meditate, that's literally what it means. Make a movie in your head about these things, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. What's the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying, here's how I made it through my midnight moment. Notice what he said. He said, not, not only did you learn this of me, no, no, but you also saw this in me. He's reflecting on his time when he was in that Philippian jail. And he said, when I was in that Philippian jail, here's what I did. I had the opportunity. The devil kept showing me the movies of, you know, us not making it. The movies of this, this is what's going to happen when we preach the gospel in the future. But I chose to create a new movie, produce my own movie in my mind. And here's what I did. I started thinking of all of the good things. I started thinking of those times when Jesus showed up in my life. I started thinking of those times when he saved me on that Damascus road, when he healed me when my eyes were blind. I started thinking of those times when he rescued me from the pit of hell, when I was shipwrecked but I made it to shore, when, when I was stranded on a desert island but he, but he caused me to lead the whole island in revival. I started thinking of all the times when I was left for dead but I survived anyway. The apostle Paul started producing his own movie in his mind. If you're going to make it through your midnight moment, you need to take control of what's being shown to you in your head. Because the enemy will always play a movie starring all of the... He'll play the horror movie for you, especially at midnight. 
Have you ever noticed that, that you don't watch scary movies in the daytime? Who does that? If you're going to watch a scary movie, you've got to, you know, make, block out all the light from coming in, you know, make sure you don't leave the, watch it at nighttime, you know. And if you're like me, you'll have like a, a horn or something by you so that you can really scare your family when something jumps out. It's like, eh! And everyone like just goes nuts, you know. You know, it's scary movies, horror movies at midnight. You've got to take control of that. You've got you to gotta start making and producing your own movie. Pastor, how do I do that? Well, you just start by thanking God for something that's good in your life. Anybody have anything to be thankful for? You have anything to be thankful for? Anybody say, I got five small things to be thankful for? Here's the thing that I found out about making movies. Just start small. When you produce your own movie, just start small. You don't have to go big right away. Start with the little things that everybody can be thankful for. And so oftentimes in my midnight moments, I just start with, thank you that I'm alive right now, God. There's some people that haven't made it through this day. But I made it through this day. You've given me life and breath today. Thank you for life and breath today, Lord. And then I do things like, well, I'm, I'm walking. Thank you for my legs and my, my hands are working. And thank you. If I was Italian, I'm Italian. And if my hands weren't working, that would be like a, you know, a speech impediment for me. Right? You need, you need them if you're Italian. I'm thanking my hands are working. You know, thank you that I can talk to you. I can come before your throne room, have a conversation with the Lord of the universe, the God of the universe the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Thank you for that. And then I go into the, you know, usually when I'm getting up in the morning, I'm, well, thank you, Lord, that I can go to my own bathroom. Some people don't even have a bathroom. I just start thanking God for every little thing. Go to the refrigerator, open up the refrigerator. I'm like, thank you, Lord, there's food in this refrigerator. I don't have to pick just one thing for breakfast. I can pick up 20 different things that I want to eat for breakfast. Thank you for that food. Thank you that I got a job. Some people don't have a job. And then you just get bigger. And they're like, Lord, I thank you for the times when I didn't have a job, but you gave me a new one. Thank you for the times that the addiction was going to overwhelm me, but you know what, Lord? You delivered me from the addiction. Thank you for the time that I was sick and I got well, because there are some people who get sick and never get well again. Thank you, Lord, for giving me all these wonderful things. And then all of a sudden, you begin to remember all the great things that God has done. You begin to play a different movie in your mind. You know that old song, Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your very blessings, see what God has done. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that so often in our lives what happens is the enemy shows us a horror movie at night. And what we need to do is we need to say, no, no, we're not watching that. We're going to start playing the movie starring the Savior. You see, a lot of times the enemy will show us the movie starring the giants in our life. Remember when the enemy tried to show David the movie starring the giant named Goliath? You know, Goliath was shouting. Goliath was, was making David scared and all of Israel was scared. And what did David do? He started playing a movie starring the Savior who killed the lion and who killed the bear. And when he looked at the movie of the Savior that was starring in that movie, he said, the same Savior that saved me from the lion and the bear will deliver this uncircumcised Philistine into my my head. You know he was going for it because he got low. He hit the guy right in the uncircumcised guy, he said. Right? <laughs> See, you know, you got to watch the right movies in your mind. The Apostle Paul said, listen, here's how I made it through my midnight season. Instead of playing that horror movie, I started playing the movie starring the Savior. Just thank God for all the good things in your life when that midnight moment comes on. Because the worst thing about midnight is not the reality of the experience it's, it's the emotional turmoil, the anxiety, the depression, the worry, the fear. It's the stranglehold that you feel is on your soul. And how do you get rid of that? You get rid of that by playing the right movie. Second way you make it through your midnight moment is number two. You need to make a joyful noise. Notice what verse number 25 says. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying 
and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I, I, I like to say they gave God a midnight praise. And just to illustrate this, I want to call Paul and Silas up to the stage right now. Would you welcome Paul and Silas? Now, obviously, Rochelle is not Silas because Silas was a dude, but she's just going to play Silas, okay? So give them a big round of applause as they come. Paul and Silas were experiencing a midnight moment. What did they do? They gave God a midnight praise. What's a midnight praise? It's not one of those praises where you just kind of like the, the catchiness of the tune. You like the groove, you know, and so you just, you just, you just start drinking. Jamming out to the groove, you know, jamming out to the... You know, that's not a midnight praise. A midnight praise has nothing to do with you like the music. A midnight praise is not because, you know, the words just can't... You can't get them out of your head. A midnight praise is something where the, 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 the groove doesn't even have to be on key. The words don't even have to make sense. Nothing has to flow together. Midnight praise is often a sacrifice. It's something that you really don't want to do, but you just do it because you know that God, God is uh, requiring it of you or you love God so much. Midnight praises can be sloppy. Midnight praises are steps of faith. Midnight praises don't even make any sense. They defy the circumstances. There's no reason why you should be praising God, but you're praising God anyhow. Here's how I picture that, that scene in that jail cell. Here's Paul and Silas, and they're in the jail cell. They've been beaten. They've been whipped. They're lying in their own excrement. Silas is probably, you know, a little down more than Paul is because Paul is the apostle. So he's probably got a little bit of a better perspective, although apostles need to have the right perspective sometime too. So here's how I picture it. I picture that they're there. They're wondering about what's happened. And all of a sudden, Paul begins to sing some praise to God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. The way I picture it is it started off as a broken hallelujah. Started off as something that he didn't necessarily want to do. But Paul just knew, I've got to do this. Even though it doesn't look like God should be praised, I'm going to praise him. But Silas probably looked over at Paul and said, Paul, what are you, crazy? Paul, how could you be praising God at a time like this? If God were on our side, if God were with us, our backs wouldn't be bleeding right now. If God were with us, he would have protected us. If God were with us, we wouldn't be in this jail. Paul, you're singing praises to the Savior. Well, I'm thinking about stopping to serve the Savior. But Paul still continued to praise. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Suddenly, as Paul continued to press into that place of praise, see, how many of you know the enemy makes mistakes at midnight? My Bible tells me that he put Paul and Silas in the same cell. How stupid can he be? Because my Bible says that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst of them. My Bible says if one falls down, the other is there to pick him up. I mean, separate the two saints of God if you're looking to keep them bound. And as Paul begins to sing his praises, suddenly it rubs off on Silas and Silas begins to sing. Oh. 
some praise. what it says at midnight Paul and Silas begin to worship and when they did all of a sudden there was an earthquake that happened and suddenly the prison doors were open and their chains fell from them I want you to know that midnight praise will break those chains of depression it'll break those chains of worry it'll break those chains of fear it'll break those chains of concern your midnight praise will break your chains don't allow your chains to break your praise allow your praise to break your chains Midnight praise. I've had this happen so many times in my life, more times than, than I would like to have happened, but I've learned so many things through the process of it all, and I want to share a story with you. Some of you have heard it probably more than once, some of you at our campuses for the first time, because we all go through midnight moments in our lives. It's been 10 years now since I went through one of my darkest midnight moments, not the darkest midnight moment, but one of them. It was when my dear friend, my best friend at the time, stole money from a business that we had started. I was the personal guarantor for all of the business notes, which amounted to seven, several million dollars. And when I found out about it, I, I immediately entered into my midnight moment. And I went each night, and at midnight specifically, because it just seemed like that's when it was the worst. And all of a sudden, the horror movie started playing before my eyes. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your house. I did. You're going to lose all your resources. 
by the grace of God, I did not. You're going to lose the church. Here was the, here was the worst thing. You're going to shipwreck the faith of the people that I've called you to shepherd. Because, see, I, I thought even though that I was the victim, that people were going to see it as something that, that I did purposefully and intentionally wrong, even though I was the, the one that was wronged in the situation. And so this horror movie began to play day and night, day and night, day and night, day, and at night it would just get really intense. And because this horror movie was always playing, I couldn't sleep. If I got two to three hours of sleep at night for, for months on end, it was a long time. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was filled with fear, shame, turmoil, you name it. My personality was changing. Because how many of you know when you go through midnight moments, it changes you? And sometimes, initially, it doesn't change you for the better. My personality was changing. My calling was being affected. My marriage and my family were stressed. It was one of those midnight moments. But after going through it for a while, suddenly I heard the challenge of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because when nobody else can understand you, the Holy Spirit can always understand you. When nobody else will stay by you because you're changing. And you know what happens when we go through midnight moments where we're gruff, we're rough, we push other people away, we don't want to answer people's questions, we act like it's their fault, and we're just, we're just looking for outlets to get it. And so when nobody else will stand around you, the Holy Spirit will always stay there with you. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, it's time for midnight praise. It's time for you to praise me in the middle of your situation while you're still in chains and before anything changes. And it was during that time that I began to worship God. And here's one of the songs that came out of that midnight moment. Listen. Speaking simply 
Here's what I found happened. All of a sudden, all that anxiety, all that fear, all that worry, all that concern. I literally mean this. It's not an exaggeration. In that moment, disappeared. I didn't worry from that second forward. I wasn't filled with fear from that second forward. Nothing on the outside changed. Nothing on the outside changed for months. But on the inside, I got this feeling. Everything was going to be all right. Oh, I wish so much sometimes that I could sing, but I can't. But I got this feeling deep down on the inside that everything was going to be all right. And see, this is what Midnight Praise does. It breaks those chains that are wrapped around your soul and wrapped around your spirit. It doesn't always open the prison doors right away. But eventually it does that too. But the bigger thing is it frees you so you can move forward. That you understand that God is the one that controls and holds your destiny in his hands. Midnight praise. That's how you make it through your moments 
where the enemy is showing you a horror movie. The third thing and the final thing I want to give you today, how do I make it through my midnight moment, Pastor? You, what I like to say, make a doggy bag. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, you know what a doggy bag is. It's when you take something home from the restaurant to keep the restaurant experience going a little bit longer, right? The food was just so good that you wanted to take something with you. Here's what God spoke to me about our midnight moments. Don't you dare leave your midnight the same way you went into your midnight. Don't you dare leave your midnight with your faith exactly like it was before you went in. Don't you dare leave your midnight with your relationship with God the same way that it was when you went in. Don't you dare leave that midnight moment without your trust going to a new place. Don't you dare leave that midnight moment without something. Come out of your midnight moment with something. Remember what happened with the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul and... Silas, they're, they're in their midnight moment. God sends an earthquake. The place starts rocking. Their chains are loose. The prison door is open. They start to exit. And Paul looks at the prison guard, and he's got a sword in his hand, and he's ready to kill himself because his punishment for getting, letting those prison, prisoners go would be even steeper. And so he's got that sword in his hand, and Paul says this, verse number 28. He says, do yourself no harm. We are here. And if I was Silas, I would have been like, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what do you mean we are here? Paul, you might be staying here a little bit longer, but you know what? I've been beaten. I've been in prison. I preached the gospel. I'm done staying here. I'm out of here. What do you mean we are here? And Paul, I believe he looked over at Silas and he said, Silas, you don't understand. We're not leaving here without taking something. We're going to make ourselves a little doggy bag. We've been to the enemy's camp, and we are going to take back something that he stole from us. And what we're taking out of the enemy's camp is the soul of this security guard. And so this security guard, which was supposed to keep him, all of a sudden falls at his feet. And says to Paul and Silas, men, what must I do to be saved? Paul preaches the gospel to him. This security guard who is sent there to keep him in prison, all of a sudden escorts them out of prison, gets saved, brings them to his house, cleans his wounds, gives them a meal. And Paul preaches the gospel to the entire family. And his whole house gets saved. And most theologians will tell you that the first members of the church of Philippi were the members from the prison guard's household. You talk about God showing up in your midnight moment. Don't leave there the same way you went in. Come out knowing that whatever the enemy brings about for evil, God will turn around for good in your life. Come out knowing that the same God that resurrected Jesus from the cross lives on the inside of you. Come out knowing that there is a peace that passes all understanding. Come out knowing that no jailer holds the keys to your future, but only God, the Almighty, holds the keys to unlock your chains. Come out knowing that your midnight is no match for your Messiah. Come out and introduce Him. Your midnight to your Messiah. Say, midnight, meet my Messiah. Midnight, meet my healer. Midnight, meet my provider. Midnight, meet my restorer. Midnight, meet the glory and the lifter of my head. Midnight, meet my all in all. Midnight, meet the king of the universe. Midnight, meet the one who you're no match for. Midnight, meet my Messiah. Midnight is no match for your Messiah. 
come out with a doggy bag. Don't come out the same way you went in. Listen, the scripture says that God, here's why, and I know I'm kind of going back to point two, but here's why midnight praise is so powerful. It opens those chains. It causes you to be able to leave with something, with a no-so experience because the scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. Can I, can I just be a little pastoral for a second? I mean, I know that it's hard to get places on time. I understand. But can I tell you how important it is for you to be in the house for the time when praise is not ministered to us, but where we give praise to God? Because see, see here, God lives in the praises of his people. Now, here's what that literally means. The, 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 the literal translation says, God is enthroned in our praises. Here's what it means if you take it a step further. God reigns in our praises. How many need God to reign over something in your life? Here's how God reigns over your situation. He reigns in your situation when you crown him with praise. And if you dare put a midnight praise on the crown, on the head of God, watch out for what God will do. You'll come out knowing that God knows how to play dominoes. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? God knows how to take a prison sentence and turn that prison sentence into a praise, which turns it into a preaching, which turns that prison into the planting of a church in a place when the enemy tried to stop you from. God knows how to play dominoes. I'm telling you, come out of your midnight moment with a little doggy bag. This is what God did. Would you stand to your feet? Midnight. Is no match for your Messiah.